This podcast is a presentation of University of California Television. Like what you hear? Consider making a donation at uctv.tv slash donate so we can continue to bring you more great programs. What this is meant to be is, is somewhat of a story uh, and a sense of why something came into existence, what it means, uh, how it's flourished, but, but more importantly, uh, the importance of communication or the concept of communication as opposed to speech per se or language per se. Um, and the fact that there are different media, if you will, um, by which people can get their point across. Uh, and I'll uh, start with this by uh, kind of giving you a sense of how I feel about some of these things and then delve into what people that actually do these things and experience these things uh, have to say. So very early on, um, my son was a a child that didn't speak. Uh, and that's what eventually led to a diagnosis of autism. Um, this organization had a great deal to do with what he does now, where he's a counselor for children and families with kids on the spectrum. Um, he talks too much now. Um, but that, that's, a, a, that's a great reward. But that's how I got involved, uh, essentially, in all of this a number of years ago. And these are personal issues I have, but um, I, I think there needs to be a change in our understanding and the way we deal with things. So I'd like to change the name of Autism Speaks, relabel it instead of Autism Speaks to Autism Communicates. Um, the reason this is important is everybody's aware of bias, and bias is becoming much more of an understandable part of our lives. Um, but bias is, is so extreme that it's not perceptible by most of the individuals that are experiencing or exhibiting bias. Um, there's great bias against any number of things. Um, but to add to that a bias against those that are disabled in any way, uh, to those that can't hear or don't interact verbally like somebody that can hear, uh, are very problematic. The stereotypes associated with these things are very problematic. Um, when, you, when you talk about this group of people, and I'll refer to them as typers, the stereotypes are that these people are dumb, that they're impossible to educate, uh, that there never will be autonomy. There's no autonomy of thought. Um, that really most of what they do and accomplish is not based upon anything that they did at all. Uh, and these are stereotypes directed at a population of patients, people that have strived to accomplish much, much more than probably any of us would in the same circumstance. Uh, and I find that extremely problematic. Additionally, we have research that documents the fact and this is peer-reviewed research, that in my world, a peer-reviewed paper that's in Spanish or in a Spanish journal is perceived differently or is found to be less impressive than the same exact paper um, in English in one of our journals out of the U.S. Uh, the same thing occurs with perception of people that speak different languages and um, there's a, a concept that 
the people that invent the language make the best use of it and have the greatest advantage for utilizing that language. With everybody else developing an understanding or trying to learn that language, uh, don't have that same opportunity. Uh, my son used to do that to us because the first game he would play is called What's in the Bag? And I guess he invented that game. So we would spend hours, I would say, trying to guess what's in the bag with us getting a cookie once we guessed what was in the bag. It was his game. It was his invention. We never got a cookie. Uh, he always eventually told us what was in the bag. Uh, this is all leading into conceptually why everybody's here. And the reasoning behind why everybody's here is that another way of communicating, another way of perfectly describing their experiences and their feelings uh, is conceptually through the medium of fiction. Uh, and there's really not a better way to do it. Obviously, through communication uh, of people that type to communicate, you get a very good sense of how they perceive the world, how they feel. Uh, and, and part of this is I'm going to ask them questions about that, uh, just so you can get a chance to understand exactly how they perceive things, exactly how they see the world. Um, but even more importantly is how this developed into something that, that's becoming much bigger than I would have anticipated. Uh, the concept for a book club occurred many, many years ago uh, and has, has just flourished. And it's um, basically become something that's just so much bigger than I ever imagined it would be. Um, but it's bigger because so much effort by the individuals involved in it uh, has become a, a mainstay of, of why it's doing so well, why it's so important. So what has happened is slowly but surely, as more and more books were reviewed and discussed, um, people found out about this or became interested in this. And, and all of a sudden we have people that uh, are amazing at creating stories and amazing at describing scenarios and an amazing at putting you inside of an individual and understanding how they think and how they perceive things and how they respond to cues in the environment became involved. And so that's what this is about because I, I think the combination of the typers being able to express themselves completely in this scenario uh, and now the inclusion and involvement of people uh, that are really masters of allowing us to step inside of somebody else uh, ha has really reached a point where um, it it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Uh, I don't know that there's anything similar to it. A year ago in May, uh, there was a big notice that uh, UCLA graduated the first nonverbal typer from that university and had mixed feelings about that. One, that's fantastic. It's amazing. Uh, but under why would it take the University of California so long to do that? With the resources we have, I, I'm an employee of University of California. So it's embarrassing that it takes that long 
to get a singular announcement of one individual graduating. Uh, and I think that just represents a grand failure on our part. Um, so I, I brought up the concept of fiction. Uh, I might as well talk to the people that are masters of that. Um, so the medium of fiction. What does that mean to you? I'm Janelle Brown. Nice to meet you all. I'm the author of five novels. Um, I mean, fiction is the invention of stories, I think, and it can be, uh, a, you know, specifically the written word of storytelling. Um, you know, when people ask you what kind of writer I am, I'm like, I'm a novelist. They're like, does it mean you write fiction? <laughs> like, yes, that means I write fiction. Because there's obviously two, there's fiction and there's nonfiction, and fiction is the invention of, of story. Does that, does that make sense to you? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm Angie Kim, and I'm the um, author of two novels, um, the latest of which is Happiness Falls, which is how I came to know this entire group. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for the Mod Squad with Otto and Bella and William, who I've been following from afar. So I've been following these guys, the Mod Squad, for a little while. I was introduced to them by Janelle Brown, um, who attended one of their book clubs and uh, coordinated by Otto. And, um, and I was interested because my latest novel, Happiness Falls, um, is actually features a, somebody who is a speller. Um, and I wanted to know what that looked like. And you asked, what does fiction mean to me? To me, fiction is the gateway to lives that other people lead. Um, and it, I think to me, the best way to create empathy for lives that you haven't experienced yourself. It's a way to step into a world for just a little while so that you can try to understand how, how they're feeling, these characters who are not real but still are going through real experiences. And you can try to figure out what that means. So my book, Happiness Falls, it's about a biracial Korean-American family. And um, the father goes missing at the beginning of the story. And the only person who was with him is somebody that the family considers to be nonverbal at the beginning, meaning without words. He can't speak, and so everybody assumes that he doesn't have words. And the trick then becomes how to figure out what he knows about the father's disappearance by using whatever ways that they can to try to communicate with him, which is where spelling and typing come into play, um, which is why I was so interested in meeting with the Mod Squad. And to me, this is writing a story about it is a way that you can sort of, you know, get hooked in. Um, the mystery of the missing father is a Trojan horse, and you get hooked in. You want to keep on turning the pages to find out what happened to the father, right? But in the process of doing that, you are able to hopefully step into the world of this family and what it's like to be somebody who has trouble communicating in the same way through speech like most of us do. And what does that feel like? And what does it feel like to be the loved one of somebody like that? So to me, that's what fiction is all about. You could say that nonfiction is the communication of facts, yeah. and fiction is the communication of feelings. Yeah. You know, if that makes that. sense? Yes, yeah. absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Otto, same question. What do you feel about the concept or medium of fiction? 
Thank you for choosing to spend your day with us. Buckle up for a wild ride. Name is Otrilana. I am a young, Latin, man. With short brunette hair. Stylishly gelled back. I have dreamy, blue eyes. A smattering, of sun-kissed freckles, all over my face. I have a bright, inviting smile. Seated next to me, on my left, is my communication partner, Shelley. Now let's get back, to focusing on, me. I live in La Jolla, a seaside community of San Diego, California. Yes, I am your typical beach bum. I go to the beach, every single day, rain or shine. What is atypical, is that I am a 19 year old, high school senior, enrolled, in honors courses. I feel compelled, to tell you about my course load, because this is unusual, and should not be. I have the trifecta of diagnoses, autism, anxiety, and an apraxia. I use a, A, C, to communicate. I am an entrepreneur, motivational speaker, and a self-advocate. I want my experiences, to set, the expectations, for the next generation, of disabled individuals, especially those with, speech-related disabilities. It is an honor, and a privilege, to be here today. Representing both Autism Tree as the book club co-founder, and one-third of the advocacy group, Mod Squad for Access. When art depicts life, it is amazing. There is nothing better than connecting with a character in a story. This is why it is so important to have a diverse array of characters. Disability is diversity. That being said, it is also more important to have positive and realistic representation of disabled characters. We do not need more stereotypes, more victims of bullies, or more ancillary characters in the background as checkboxes for diversity. William, can I get your introduction and an answer to the same question about your feelings uh, about fiction? My name is William Del Rosario, and I am a student intern with you. I am a 23-year-old Hispanic Filipino male with black hair, brown eyes, wear glasses, and my pronouns are he and him. I have autism, apraxia, am a multimodal communicator, and use AAC. Supporting me today is my mom, Michelle. I would like to transform minds by sharing my story and invite you to join me on my journey to make communication accessible to all. Thank you for for making the time to be here today. To me, having the medium of fiction is an amazing opportunity for people to share and explore experiences together. When we have access, we can each bring our own experiences to how we relate to the story and grow conversations. And lastly, Bella, if I could get your introduction and your answer to the question. Hello, everyone. I'm Bella, otherwise known as the sassy one. I am a limited-speaking autistic Hispanic young adult in my 20s. I have long brown hair and dark brown eyes. I live in a very active coastal city of Southern California called Long Beach. Traveling and exploring new cultures is my jam. 
A perfect day at home would be me snuggled up in my bed with my treasured books. Most people would be surprised to hear that having spent most of my elementary school years in a moderate to severe placement, I was able to graduate high school with a diploma. I have also just met a new goal of mine which was to go to college. I am the first augmentative and alternative communication user at my school. My communication partner today is my mom Anna. I am passionate about making waves of change and am very excited to be here today. I love books, always have. They have been my saving grace back when I had no reliable way to communicate and no one knew I was literate. True story, when I was younger I would steal my older brother's textbooks and hide in my bedroom to quickly scan the pages and pick up nuggets of knowledge. I have always been fascinated with fiction, but the heavy word count and my visual and motor challenges made novels impossible to read on my own. The only way I can truly enjoy fiction is by listening to it as an audiobook or being read too. Once I started listening to fiction I fell in love with historical romance and of course Jane Austen. Now I always need to have a work of fiction on Audible or Bookshare to enjoy. It's a treat really to have the ability to enter a new world any chance I get. Getting back to this point, Otto, um, do you feel that people can represent who you are, how you feel, um, by presenting us with a, a, a fictitious character? Lived experiences is a great way to portray disabled characters. This is why I was willing to read Angie's novel and comment on Eugene's life. It was so much more than just commenting on the way he communicates. Alternative and augmentative communication is just one aspect of his life. William? I think it is important to do research and meet people with disabilities, because knowing about a disability is not the same as living with one. You should have knowledge, but also ask us for feedback. I would also suggest that authors think beyond a person's disability and portray their possibilities. Me personally, would not want to be known for my disability, but rather for my humanity. And Bella, same question. I appreciate that Angie showed a sliver of our reality with Eugene. It was nice to see someone like me as a character in a novel. She captured many experiences that I and my family went through, but I am a girl, and I am way more anxious, naughty and moody, than Eugene. Emphasis on moody. LOL. I think that some authors can attempt to portray who we are, in meaningful ways, but to do us justice. It would only be possible if they truly took the time and effort to know us. Like Angie did. In regards to accurately portraying how we feel, this is why we need to share our lived experiences. Only by hearing directly from us can our feelings be known. So Otto, in reading uh, about fictitious characters, 
if you see somebody portraying an individual that would be considered to be a typer, how, how do you feel about that? I am pleased when it is a positive representation of the character. But I do not feel anything. It is an author's choice to write whatever they want. Remember the whole First Amendment thing. Freedom of speech. And it is my choice to read it, and later pan it or promote it. William? I think it is awesome that there are more and more people with disabilities in the media, including books. We are many, and part of society. The important piece is to balance old thinking about disability limits with positive change to give people new lenses that look towards inclusion and potential. And Bella? It's essential and if written well, I love it. We need to be portrayed. We need to be seen and heard. I think more authors need to follow Angie's example and open their eyes to our existence. We are capable of so much more in life if given the right support. I feel validated by Angie's book because I am like Eugene, or rather he is like me. Communication access is a human right and shouldn't be determined by ableist standards. I am hopeful the masses realize that non-speaking does not imply non-thinking. If the takeaway from writing about us drives needed change, then I am all in. Janelle, so uh, what did you think the book club was going to be about, or what were your expectations? Um, And having been a major part of it, how do you feel about it afterwards? Um, It's just a little background. So uh, my fifth novel, I'll Be You, came out about a year and a half ago. And I came to San Diego and I did an event um, down at the wharf, a little luncheon thing. And one of the people that came up and introduced themselves to me afterwards was actually two people, uh, Rebecca and Dana. Um, and, And Dana told me about the book club that she's like, I'm part of Autism Tree. We have this book club. Um, Otto runs it. Would you be willing to come speak at this book club and, you know, via Zoom? And this was new to me. I will confess, I've had almost zero, like, intimate interaction with with people with autism in my life. Um, Just hasn't happened that way. I haven't known anyone intimately. Um, So I kind of came with a little bit of trepidation to the book club, not sure what to expect, knowing that there were going to be people in the book club who didn't communicate orally um, and that were typists, and I'd never had that experience before. And met on zoom with this group and i i was blown away it was it was you know there's some moments in your life when you really see your eyes opened in real time and for me that was one of those moments sitting with otto and the other people in this book club and getting this really incredible feedback some of the, the smartest feedback i've gotten and perceptiveness perceptive responses I've ever gotten to my books in a book club. I mean, I go to a lot of book clubs and people are like, is that character based on you? You know, you get the same three questions all the time. And these were really thoughtful, incredible questions that I was getting and, and, and thoughtful feedback. Um, and so I kind of walked away from that Zoom saying, wow, like that is, that is 
an experience I'd never expected to have, and I have this whole new way of seeing what it is like to live with autism and what, what is going inside on inside the head of someone who maybe can't speak but still has you know, all the same thoughts and feelings that, that everybody else does, just can't express those orally. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, a year later, I, you know, I've, I've so happy that I was able to introduce Angie to the book club, and, and it seems like I was the first and what's become a string now of, of, of fairly significant authors coming through this book club, and I think, you know, we should do more of it. <laughs> Every author, I mean, it's, it's a great way for people who are storytellers to meet with, with this different community that normally isn't accessed, you know, on your regular book tour. And that opens up more pathways towards communication and also storytelling that then spreads the word about different ways of existing in the world to a much bigger population. So, yeah. Same question. Um, yeah, I can't remember what the question was, but I'll, I'll follow along. <laughs> Basically, uh, what your yeah, participation abso- meant to you. Yes, absolutely. So um, my participation, it went beyond the book club. Um, because, and, and Otto's book club has read Miracle Creek and things like that. Um, okay, great. I love this. But, um, for me, I was introduced through Janelle because Janelle said, Janelle's one of my go-to first readers and, and, you know, and we have a writing group together. We show each other our, each other's work. Um, and Janelle read the, some of the beginnings of the first draft of my novel, which has this speak, this non-speaking character, Eugene, um, that Bella was talking about. And Bella, I have to say, I feel like Mia, the, the sassy narrator in who's 20 years old, who's kind of like brilliant and funny, I kind of feel like you are a, a good combination of Eugene and uh, Mia. But in any case, so Janelle sort of read this and she said, you have to talk to Otto. And she knew that I was looking for great people who are really thoughtful in this community. So I had reached out to lots of people in the sort of spelling, typing community. I actually teach um, creative writing to um, people who, they actually call themselves um, non-speakers rather than multimodal communicators like uh, the um, Mod Squad does. But um, but regardless, but they they spell and type to communicate, and um, but some of them were having trouble with the premise of the novel, and that they were so ha- they told me that they were so happy that I there was a you know a non-speaking character like Eugene who was in the novel, but they found the premise, which is that the police get suspicious about their intentions because they couldn't explain themselves orally uh, in a traditional way. Because of that, they got, it just made them very, very anxious to read it. And so I was going around and I was just, I wanted to get feedback, not just by um, interviewing them for research as I was writing, which I did, but also to give them the actual finished manuscript once the first draft was done and get feedback because that is, you know, that's essential to me. And Otto was, and Janelle said, you have to 
contact Otto. So I wrote him this like little fan letter about Otto Nation, about his website, his merchandise, all that kind of stuff. And he, it was so wonderful because he wrote me back this amazing email. And I knew that he was going to love the voice because he had all these PSs. So he was like, you know, he gave the response and he said, PS, blah, 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 blah. PPS, blah, blah, blah. Did I even tell you about this? And I was like, I think you're going to like Mia, my narrator, because she actually speaks in parentheticals and she has footnotes. And so um, that's how I was introduced. And I think what they were saying earlier, um, you know, William and Bella and Otto about the need for representation and the need for people who are outside this community, like us, to include these types of characters, the same way that we include Asians, hopefully in character, you know, in novels, um, even if the author, you know, him or herself or themselves, are not Asian, you know, that kind of thing, because they're just a part. It's a part of our diverse society, and we need to sort of see more depictions of that, and then also to enable people who are typers and spellers themselves to write their own stories, whether it be fiction or memoir. And so that's one of the reasons why I teach creative writing, and I'm trying to get more people involved in that. So hopefully, through all of these efforts, we will see more representation. So Otto, I, I've never asked you this after being kind of a major part of this, you uh, three specifically, but what has the book club meant to you, your family, uh, those people that are important to you? I love this book club. I love sharing my love of reading with friends and being able to have in-depth conversations and the tangents we take each meeting are times I will treasure. It is another barrier I am breaking. I am showing the world multimodality communicators are critical thinkers. I love meeting authors. And I love inviting them to join our book club discussions. I am outgoing like that. I have no problem asking them. If they say no they can't, that's okay. But when they say yes. Wow, what a great experience. Authors are the artists who have the gift that allows you to transcend time and space. When you dive into a story that is captivating, it changes you. It teaches you. It expands your mind. William, same question. This experience is showing us that there is a mindset shift. A few years ago there really weren't these opportunities. Maybe there was less access AAC then, or perhaps less awareness. The pandemic in some ways gave us real chances for inclusion, because everyone was using technology during the shutdown. Now, we are able to carry this forward, and I am totally thrilled to see that more people are willing to include us. We are used to being talked about, now we are part of the conversation. And Bella, same question. I remember a time when I was never asked for my thoughts or opinions. Sadly, I remember a time when I couldn't have shared them. I'm lucky that I can share my thoughts freely now with others in the book club. It's a safe and inclusive space where my communication is valued and respected. 
A gathering of minds like the book club is valuable time spent and always good for the soul. I think people forget how important it is to hear nourishing literature every day. If you have a loved one that is non-speaking, please start reading to them age-appropriate books. I'm certain you cannot imagine the joy they will feel inside. Happy reading. What would you recommend, or how would you approach trying to make this better known, bigger, um, to, to expand for people that don't know about the book club or who could make use of it? I mean, as an author, you know, and I know not all authors are like this, but um, meeting with readers is the great joy of why I do what I do. Um, there's no point in writing if no one's going to read it, <laughs> in my opinion. I mean, the personal expression, yes, but that's not why I write. I don't write just for myself. I write because I want to communicate and I want to interact and I want to make people feel things and I want to hear how they felt. So for me, going to a book club and, and learning how people feel is really, really exciting and inspiring and it, and it opens my mind and it helps me think about how I'm going to write my next book. And I think that most authors I know do feel that way and are open to being approached by, by, by book clubs. I mean, pretty much anybody who DMs me on Instagram and asks if I'll meet their book club, I will meet their book club, you know. And, um, and so I, I really think it's just, and I know Otto already does this, but like just about reaching out to authors and telling them what you do. You have an impressive string of authors who've already come and spoken to your book club. Um, you know, you, once you get one in the door, they're like, oh, they talked to Angie Kim, they talked to Janelle Brown, they talked to Anthony Doerr, I'll talk to them too. And I could, I could see, you know, you know, create a website for the book club and talk about your, your, the readers that you've had talk, uh, novelists you've had come talk to you. And I think you could very quickly make this a, an, especially since you're doing it on Zoom, you could make it a, a big national yeah. book club. And, I, Janelle yeah. and I will happily give testimonials, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So any other yeah, things for that me, you would do? Yeah, so there's the book club, of course, and I do think that, you know, that would be a great way to um, get people, you know, sort of one author at a time, you know, one month at a time or whatever it is to come and sort of be exposed and have their eyes opened in the same way that I know like Anthony Doors was, you know, because I attended that um, that book club with him and he was just blown away by some of the stuff that, you know, um, the comments and the analyses of his book um, and things like that. Um, another one is encouraging authors to, you know, put characters um, who are non-speaking and put more representation into their books. I think there may be a little bit hesitation because people are like, oh, I don't want to step on toes, and I don't if I don't have personal experience with it or if I don't have a family member um, or something like that, then do I have the right to, you know, put characters like that into my novel. It's a question that I had. It's one of the questions that I had for Otto, and it's a question that I had for my students um, to sort of say, hey, um, I know the pain, a tiny little bit, sliver of the pain that you got and frustration um, that um, you have because I came over from Korea when I was 11 and overnight went from being a fluent speaker, right, and who felt like a pretty smart 
kid and whatever, to all of a sudden in middle school not being able to speak because I didn't speak English and feeling the shame and embarrassment of that and realizing for the first time how our society does equate uh, oral fluency with intelligence and realizing how deeply seated that is that I felt like a babo. I felt like a stupid person because I couldn't speak English, even though I had just been in, you know, the U.S. for like a week or something. And so, um, I, and I said, you know, I have, I know a little tiny bit of that, but that was a very experience from what you guys are experiencing. Is it okay, do you think, that I am writing a character like this, even though I am not a non-speaker or speller or typer myself? And they said, yes, please do it, because the only thing that we've seen so far are memoirs, which are great, but we want to see people like us in mysteries, in literary fiction, in romance. And, and so they really gave me the courage to go forward, and I think we need to sort of speak up about that and make sure... You know, and then hopefully some of them do become, you know, bestsellers and, and get made into movies and TV shows and all of that sort of stuff. And, um, and then people, more and more people will learn and more and more people's eyes will be opened. Otto, what do you think about making things bigger? I have found with most things, the best growth is slow and steady. Size only matters sometimes. Ha, 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 ha. Is a bonsai tree any less important than the sequoia tree rising hundreds of feet above the ground? I think this hybrid event will help get the word out to presume competence. Just because you seem different doesn't mean you don't like to read. Doesn't mean you won't enjoy a book club. I think we need to take this show on the road and help educate teachers, therapists, and families that stories are the fabric of life. Share stories with your loved one that normally aren't included. You will be surprised. William, what plans would you have to make it bigger? The next thing might be for more libraries to have these book clubs. That would be wonderful. If there were to be movies made, it would be good to hire real actors or consultants for competitive pay. We still have room to grow in this area. And Bella, you've been a member of this from the get-go. What would you recommend? Autism Tree Book Club with Otto are very much needed and I would love for it to grow. Book Club is a way to promote literacy development for all students despite their differences. There is so much value in sharing a great book. My experience in special education deprived me of access to rich age-appropriate literature. I think it would be great to develop a long-term plan to reach students who may not have the access to a book club and school. It would be a hopeful mission to grow minds together. Yes. Um, a couple of other things that came to mind as I was listening so one is, um, last night, um, on, I'm on book tour right now for Happiness Falls, and last night at the library, at the La Jolla uh, Riford, Rifford Library, um, uh, we, the Happiness Falls event was 
Otto and Me um, being in conversation moderated by Janelle. And I thought it was such a rich experience. I got teary just being, being there. It was, you know, the Autism Tree family was there. It was really wonderful. And I feel like that kind of, um, the, you know, so us sort of thinking outside the box and not just doing, a bu- not that the book club isn't, I love the book club, and we should do that too, and we should encourage people to, you know, include these characters in their books, but also things like, yeah, you know, offering up your services to be a conversation partner, Otto and Bella and William, I think that would be amazing. And then the other thing um, with uh, William talking about... Um, you know the, the on the performer side, and uh, if it gets made into movies and TVs, so two things on that: the audiobook version of Happiness Falls. There are three readers, re- narrators. One is you know the the person who reads the the first person narrator all the way through Mia. So she does like ninety percent of it, and then the missing father. They find some notebooks of he was obsessed with happiness and the relativity of happiness. So there's an actor who reads the father's notebook parts, and then the final thing that I'm really excited about is that Eugene, the typer speller character. Um, there is somebody that we wanted to, you know, use for, we wanted to hire for, to narrate those thoughts that, and those communications that Eugene has at the end of the book. I'm being a little bit coy because of the whole, like, I'm not, I I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, I don't want to spoil the book. But, um, and I thought about maybe doing um, the voices, you know, like you're hearing, and I actually asked my students about that, and they said, yes, um, that would be okay, but I have a voice, and it's not the Siri-like voice, you know? And so they said, just because I can't use my voice um, and shape them into words, but they said, um, but we have a friend. And so they, there's this guy, he calls himself Autastic Tom, and we hired him. He auditioned for the role. And so he is, he calls himself a non-speaker, quote unquote. And, but what he does is he considers himself an unreliable speaker. So he can speak. It's just that the words that come out, they're echolalic or they're scripted and things like that. But when he has, when he um, communicates by spelling and typing, and then what he typed and spelled is held out in front of him, then he is able to read that out loud. So we actually printed out, you know, Eugene's words in front of him, and he was able to read them, and that's what you hear on Audible and Libro.fm and things like that. And it's awesome, and he's 25, and he's always wanted to be a performer, and he was like, this is my first paying gig. And so we're really excited, and my Happiness Falls was just optioned last night for a TV um, series, and we are insistent that the person who plays Eugene be a speller. So I'm really excited about that. So Otto in developing these relationships, how would you like them to continue? But of course, I have a magnetic personality. 
When people meet me they tend to stick around. See what's next. I rarely disappoint. That's my brand. Inclusion at its finest. And same to you, William. What, what would you like to do as you establish these relationships? I hope that they will. When we are given the same chance as everyone else, the story comes alive and there is a purposeful rally to carry a new wave of change towards having minds and hearts opened. This takes effort, but is worth the wait. And Bella, how would you approach that question? I think like-minded people want to be connected and grow together. I especially like that we are members in a club that is judgment-free. With that, respect and trust grow because learning through sharing is the goal. Once friendship is the foundation then all relationships continue. I definitely see our mission with Access, aligned so perfectly with Book Club. Access is everything and we want that for everyone. So Janelle, knowing what you do, actually an amazing amount of knowledge about these individuals, um, in thinking about your next bestseller, um, were you to include somebody uh, that had limited communication, how would you do that? How would you determine what aspect they would be involved, how much they'd be involved, what they could do? I mean, certainly uh, I wouldn't attempt to write a, a neurodiverse character without having some interactions with people who are neurodiverse so I know what I was talking about. Um, you know, I, I am actually working on a new novel right now, and there is a character in it that I've been toying with it that might have Asperger's. And so, yeah, so part of what, um, what I've been thinking about doing is, like, I need to reach out to people in, in the autism community and in our diverse community and find some people who, are, who have Asperger's and talk about and learn more about that. Um, so I know it's not non-speaking or, you know, or multi-modality communicators, but, you know, it is definitely, it's, it's within the spectrum. And so, yeah, I've definitely been thinking about how, how do I write about it with authenticity? And that's what I do with any, all of my books. Whenever I write a character, in order to make sure I'm writing about, with, about it with authenticity, I, I do my research. You know, I wrote about twins, and so I talked in my last book, and so I went and talked to a whole bunch of people who were twins and had twins, and I read all kinds of Psychology Today articles about twindom, and, you know, and, and the same thing would be if I wrote about narrow diversity. So. And what about um, yeah, so both of my books have had neurodiverse characters, and it's had that at its core. Um, Miracle Creek was my debut um, novel, and um, that had uh, that's told from the perspective of seven POV characters, and none of they're actually all sort of from the parenting angle. So I kind of consider these two books to be companion pieces because they're sort of looking at some similar characters, um, people who are outsiders culturally and ethnically and linguistically by virtue of being immigrants, and then people who are on the outside medically, um, and sort of and trying to fit in and sort of trying to belong and and trying to find their place. And uh, Miracle Creek looks at it from the parenting angle. This one looks at it from 
the um, children's angle, you know, more of the actual affected and also the siblings' angle. And, um, and one thing that I'm um, thinking about and wanting to be in conversation with about is um, including actually an actual point of view character who is neurodiverse, who is non-speaking, because that is something that is so close to me. Uh, my father has um, Alzheimer's, and so that, and he's really lost his ability to speak in a lot of ways. So that's something that I've been thinking a lot about. Um, and so I don't know if it will be from that perspective or something else, but this is something that just the the assumptions that we make about people who can't, uh, who aren't as orally fluent as some other people. Um, and really interrogating why we equate those two things, that is something that I will absolutely do going forward. But, you know, but I'm not sure that I feel comfortable having a POV character. Like, would I feel comfortable writing from Eugene's perspective? Because, again, I want to enable people like Bella and William and Otto, who are amazing writers, as you can see, um, to sort of come up with their own stories. Last night, Otto pitched a, a story that was amazing. And um, it sort of had that sort of, um, you know, autism at its core. And it was a really important element. And I want to enable them to tell the stories, too. I have an interesting involvement. My daughter was one of the people that moderated and established the book club with Otto. Uh, and I think it was the third book, and they were trying to come up with an author, and so I suggested John Steinbeck. And Otto told me I was simple. <laughs> Thank you. I very much appreciate your being here. Uh, I'm certain that your interactions with them, and, and it's just amazing to see them flourish. Uh, and I appreciate your time and efforts. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.